give it up for Maggie. Way to go, Maggie. All right, hey, why don't you keep that slide up there about the fast. Um, let me read this from, um, well, I'm about to read from Luke 5. So I heard, I heard a few guys cheer about a three-day fast. You, you know what we mean, right? We're going to encourage you to not eat food and pray more. And you cheered, all right. I, I always like to joke when we talk about fasting, it's like you know, there's certain things in Scripture that you just kind of, you don't want to highlight. You just kind of want to get a, like a Sharpie and just kind of blot out. And fasting sometimes is one of those, but we don't do that here because we love the Word of God and we believe that what Jesus said he meant and we want to practice the things that he modeled for us and that are clearly taught in Scripture. But look at this in um, Luke 5, I think it'll be on the screen, verse 33 through 35. Uh, it says, they said to him, some folks that had some questions about the way Jesus was doing things. He says, the disciples of, or they said, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, they eat and they drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Let me just pause there. It goes on. Jesus kind of gives a little bit of a parable about new wine and new wineskin. But I just, I love reading this when I think about the idea of inviting people in to fast. You know, Jesus made a comment uh, of my disciples will fast. And I think when I have opportunities to join a fast or not, uh, or to do one personally, I kind of think about this and this verse. And I'm like, okay, was Jesus referring to me at all? Possibly. And um, I think the answer is yes. Those that follow him will fast in one day. And so I want to just invite you guys to perfectly consider it. That's why we tell you guys ahead of time. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about fasting next week um, for the message. But I just want you guys to perfectly consider it. If you've never done it before, I mean, a great start would be try to skip one meal and just inst- come up to the prayer room. We have some prayer meetings in the morning and, or at noon, like Maggie said. Or just try something different because we are leaning in together, believing for God to respond to our prayers and send some breakthrough. And the theme is unity and togetherness. Uh, it's taken from Ephesians 4, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in our world. I don't know if you've noticed, is just getting everly increasingly divided. But not so among the church. Amen? Not so among the people of God. We're going to be a unified people under the lordship of Jesus. And so we want to uh, pray and fast into that. So let me just pray right now, uh, and then we'll get going in the message in just a second. So, Lord, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts and show every one of us in this room how we can engage in this. And, Lord, whatever you put on our hearts, we uh, confidently just do it. Um, And I pray that, Lord, you would use this time where there will be hundreds, maybe even thousands around the world praying for similar things, fasting, seeking your face. Lord, would you respond and would you send breakthrough in this generation? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, guys. Um, good to see you this morning. I know there's several new faces. So uh, my name is Mitchell. If I haven't met you yet, thanks for joining us this morning. You might notice I have a little brace on my uh, hand here. It was a basketball injury from Friday. Good news, though. Our team won. So uh, <laughs> I think I sprained my thumb or something. It's kind of swollen. So anyways, it was embarrassing. I mean, it's a pickup, half-court pickup basketball game, and I injured myself. Anyways. Um, But hey, I'm excited for um, this morning. This is round two of a new series we're doing called Biblical. Uh, Everybody say biblical. Biblical. And the premise of this series is very, very simple. There's just so many different uh, topics and things that we have, uh, in a sense, a viewpoint on or an understanding of. 
And when you think about literally any topic, you want to be sure as a follower of Jesus, which many of you are in this room, that you have a biblical understanding of whatever is being talked about. In this generation, you just have access to so much information, so many opinions, so many thoughts. And scripture tells us over and over again to not be tossed to and fro by every single person's opinion. Ephesians 4, we looked at it several weeks ago, but it says not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I love that example, the wind. Things blow, things change. You know, what's trendy now is not going to be trendy five years from now. If someone's popular opinion now is going to be a little different ten years from now. But when you are grounded in the word of God, you you have an anchor. And it's safe and you're secure when you're anchored in the word of God. So we want to be biblical as we approach different topics. So last week, Jeremy kicked us off on kind of a two-part series on finances. What does the Bible have to say about that? Next week, I'm going to go for a few weeks on biblical unity. What does that mean? Other topics we're thinking about doing, biblical discipleship, leadership, sexuality. The list goes on and on. We'll see what we can cover uh, in this series. But we are looking at the Word of God. Anybody have their Bible with them this morning? Anybody? Hold it up real quick. Just wave it. Awesome. Great. We love the Word of God here, and we're going to dive into it. And this morning, I'm not preaching, but Larry is up. So y'all give it up for Larry Jones. He's going to share the word this morning. Hey, guys. I'm Larry, like Mitchell said. I'm the executive pastor here. He's the lead pastor. I'm executive pastor. And um, I'm excited for what the Lord has for this morning. Um, I think he's given me some stuff. And then I'm, I've been going over it, of course, since I'm preaching this morning. But it's been... Uh, it's been getting in me, and I'm like, it's not done in, in me. And so I'm really hoping um, that he uses it this morning powerfully to speak to us and just to help us align our life more with what the Word of God says about finances um, and about how we work and live um, because we don't want to get that from culture. Just like Mitchell was saying, we're not going for hearing what the culture says or what uh, the, latest, uh, the latest media out there says. We're not going for what politics is saying to uh, to govern and orient our life around, but we're going for what the Bible says about these things. And so, um, and the slide really simply says in the top left corner, we just want to let the word of God guide our lives. And so that's my hope through this series and even through today, that at the end of today, it's not, man, what did Larry say? But it's, what did the word of God say? And how can I honor and obey God in that? And so I'm going to pray for us uh, this morning and we're going to jump in. So thank you. Jesus, for this morning, thank you for the opportunity to gather corporately uh, to get to look at you, to worship you, to honor you, Um, and thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it is life, it's sustenance for us, and so I ask that you would use the word of God this morning to teach us and to correct us where we need to be corrected um, and to encourage us where we need to be encouraged. I ask that you would use this morning to refine us, to make us look more like you, to make us a more perfect and spotless and holy bride um, for your return. Praise in your name. Amen. So like Mitchell said, Jeremy kicked us off last week in this series talking about finances, kind of the first installment of finances, and he talked a little bit about stewardship and then dove into the tithe, uh, the tithe uh, to see what is the tithe, where did it come from, and what does it mean for our lives. And so I, I will briefly hit on it, um, but we're going to kind of use that as a, a little bit of a foundation for where we're going. But if you missed that, that's okay. We're just going to be reading scripture and jumping into it. And so um, feel free to go back online and listen to it. I think it was uh, excellently presented. Even if you're tithing right now, 
uh, worth listening to, and I think there's something for every one of us to glean from um, from what he shared from Scripture. Um, but we're going to jump in this morning. Uh, so I'm going to touch a little bit on what he said about stewardship to start us off. I think it will give us a healthy grid work for what the Bible has to say regarding money uh, as we continue the series. And so we can go ahead and throw a slide up on the screen. This is a slide from last week. Um, but here's some verses from the Old and New Testament talking about how God owns everything and that we, if he owns everything, um, then whatever we have, we are simply a steward of because we don't own it. So we're just taking care of it. Uh, we've just been entrusted with it. And that first verse there, I wanted to uh, actually read real fast. It's Psalm 24, 1. And it says, The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. And so we just get a really, really simple, really clear verse that the earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone in the earth is also the Lord's. And so hopefully, hopefully that's helpful to see that it is all his, um, like I said, which means that we are simply stewards of what is his. Um, and we see it all throughout scripture. There's a chunk of verses that were just thrown up there. Uh, but we also see it in Matthew 25. And I was going to read this and jump into it a little bit more. But I do not have the time this morning because I have too much content to cover. And so we're not going to be reading it. But in Matthew 25, we see the parable of the talents. It was also mentioned last week. But you see a master who goes on a journey. And when he goes on the journey, he entrusts things to his servants. He entrusts talents uh, is what it says in the Bible, he, uh, which is a large sum of money he entrusts to his servants. And then at the end of his journey, he comes back, and they have to give an account for what they did with what they were entrusted to. And it's a picture of us and Jesus. And he's given us talents. He's given us gifts. He's given us abilities. Um, he's given us finances to steward. And we will give an account one day of how we stewarded the things that God has given us. And so I think looking at that and just thinking about everything being his and us being the stewards, um, I think is a really helpful foundation for how we navigate using our money to honor God with it, to bring him glory. And so as we think about stewardship and about finances uh, this morning, I've kind of broken it down into uh, two halves so of, of the sermon today. And so we're going to be talking about the tithe and offering and generosity this morning. And then on the tail end, we'll talk about living simply and working diligently. And I think it's going to be rich for us. And so last week, like I said, Jeremy unpacked the tithe for us, and the word tithe simply means 10%. Um, and we see that the tithe is for the church to supply for the needs of the church, but a tithe is also what we get to bring to the Lord as first fruits of what we are bringing in um, financially. And there's a verse that uh, was also mentioned last week that I'm going to mention again and throw on the screen, and it's Malachi 3:10, and this is talking about the tithe. And it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I want to open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And so giving a full tithe, 10%, doesn't seem very bad according to this verse. It actually seems pretty awesome um, because it's not something that he is demanding from us. The Lord's not demanding a tithe from us. It is a command in scripture, but he's not demanding it from us. He's actually inviting us into a promise, which is he's going to open the windows of heaven. He says, test me, put me to the test and see if I'm not going to open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing until there's no more need. So until there's like no more room for you to hold blessing from him. 
pretty sweet promise uh, that he invites us into through the tithe. And so maybe that'll be helpful for us to think about. It's not, he's not demanding it or holding it over our heads, um, but he's inviting us into something as we trust him with our funny, uh, with our funny, with our money. Um, maybe my mouth's dry, so I'm going to get some water. And sorry if I'm talking a little fast. I really think I have too much content. So, and I want to get through it. I think, I think there's good stuff in it, and I've been mulling it over, and I'm like, man, God, what do I get rid of in here, and what do I keep? And so I've tried to slim it down some, but, um, but I think this is what he has for us this morning. And so, so, um, so you have 10%. 10% is the tithe. We often hear the words tithes and offerings thrown together uh, as if they're synonymous. They're a little bit different. Tithe is the first 10% that goes to the church. And on top of that is our offerings and our generosity. And um, so anything above 10% would be our, our offerings and our generosity. And so for my family, 10% is non-negotiable. It's going to the church right off the top. That's what we do. So at the end, we give at the end of the month. So uh, first fruits for the next month. I don't know how you say it. We give at the end of the month to see what comes in so we can tithe the appropriate amount heading back out because we don't make consistent incomes. And so 10% off the top immediately, that is going to the church. And on top of that, we give offerings. And that looks different in different seasons um, for what we can give and who we give to and where we give to. Um, but offerings for us um, or giving for us on top of our tithe looks like um, it can be supporting uh, church staff who are on support. It can look like supporting missionaries or giving towards different organizations who are doing the work of God. Or it could look like uh, giving towards a group me that we see, which if you're in a life group around here, you know that in group me's there are plenty of opportunities to give, to bless people and come alongside people um, that are in need in our church. Um, and there's been some crazy stories that have come out of that about people getting new cars and having debt paid off and just crazy stories of provision or paying for medical bills. Um, and so that's, that's like how we give on top of our tithe as a family. And we see that in the Bible as well. We see giving uh, very generously in the Bible above a tithe. And it was mentioned last week, I think maybe by Leif mentioned it when some people came up and read scriptures, but in Acts 2.45, which we also read in Life Group every week, it says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And giving for them was, it was a way of life. It wasn't like they were um, compelled to do it or like uh, made to do it by somebody else, but it was a part of who they were as a people. And giving is a part of who we are as a people. And not just because they did it in the early church, though they are a great example, but it's because of who God is. And God was their model for them and their generosity. And we see it all throughout Scripture. Um, we see it in Scripture that probably every single one of us can quote. John 3.16, it'll be on the screen here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He is a generous God and he gives. He liter and that was not a 10% tithe. That he bankrupted heaven. All of the worth of heaven he sent to earth for our sake which is crazy. He's a, he's a generous God. Uh, we see it in James 1.17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. He's a God who gives, and he is very generous towards us. And us as Christians, as little Christ followers, um, we're to obey him, and, and we're to follow him. And so we get the opportunity to live with generosity. So let it be 
let it be who we are as a people. As a believer, we are generous. They, are, they go together. Uh, a believer is generous. And generosity uh, isn't just a good idea. It's like God's idea. And generosity is not a burden. It's not a burden that we have to bear. It's an invitation from him. And generosity is actually really fun. If you've ever tried it, it's fun. It's fun to get to celebrate people, uh, celebrate people when you are giving towards a cause or um, helping with a need that they have. Um, and one uh, simple example of this in, in mine and Madeline's life. So I'm married. Madeline's my wife. She's not here this morning. We have three kids, and they're a ball of fun. She's on Zoom, actually, right now. And um, hey, babe. <laughs> and um, so this is a silly example, and I don't know why this one came to mind. It's a couple years old. Um, but when we were in College Station, uh, Texas, before we moved up here, Madeline was on staff on the, uh, at the church there at Antioch, and she had noticed, she's a pretty observant person, and she had noticed that one of the pastors was walking around with pretty worn-out shoes. And um, I, I guess she had felt like a nudge from the Holy Spirit, like, we should, we should give them some money. We should give their family some money to go buy some new shoes. Uh, that sounds really fun. And so she comes home and tells me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm great with it. Let's do it. Let's ask God how much we're going to give to them um, to where they can get some new shoes because she saw over and over again, day in and day out, this person was wearing old, worn-out shoes. And so we're like, great, we're going to bless them. And so we felt like we were supposed to give them $300, I think is the number that we gave. And, and so we gave it to them, and just alone giving it to them and seeing the excitement and joy on their face is so fun. And that's just a simple, really simple story of us just getting to be generous above a tithe with our money and just trusting God that he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And we didn't make any money then. We, we, we were living very simply. Um, hourly jobs, working more time than 40 hours a week, and barely making ends meet. But uh, it's so fun to give generously, um, and it does something in our hearts as well as the people that we're giving towards um, and another kingdom principle in regard to generosity is found in Matthew 6, 21. And it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is an easy verse to skim, but it's a tough verse to start digging into. Um, if you find yourself looking inward all the time, might be a good time to start sending some money outward. Um, if you're looking at yourself a lot, it might be because you're hoarding your money inward or, or spending it all on yourself. So it's just helpful. And this is not to, I'm not trying to convict you with what I'm saying. I'm just trying to invite you in to what the Bible says. It says where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be. Um, that is true from the Bible. And there's a direct relationship with our finances um, and what we honor, what we respect, what we care about, what we think about. It's because our heart is in those places. And you hold, you typically hold those places more closely to you wherever your heart is. Um, and so where your heart is, like the scripture says, there, um, uh, your heart is there, sorry, where your finances are at. So in this example of us getting to give to one of the pastors on staff to where he could buy some new shoes, it was so fun to see him walking around with new shoes on a few weeks later. And it was like, it was almost like we had gotten a new pair of shoes. We got to celebrate with him, and it was so fun. It filled us with joy to get to see, um, to know that him and his wife went on a date. I think they went to Ross and bought several pairs of shoes. I'm like, that is so fun to get to be a part of that. And I think we would have missed out had we not like obeyed the nudge of the Holy Spirit to give. And that was such a silly thing. It was for a pair of shoes. Um, but 
we just simply wanted to obey what we feel like we're supposed to do, and we got to rejoice with them in that blessing. And it's the same principle for here in the church with our finances. Um, When your treasure is given here, your heart, it's more present here. So our heart was present there with them, and we got to joy and celebrate with them um, because that's where some of our money had gone. And so it's the same here in the church. Where your heart is, or where your, if your treasure is here, then your heart's going to be more present here. Um, and if you want to know where your heart is, a really simple thing you can do is look at your bank account or look at your credit card statements to see where your money is going because you're sending little pieces of your heart to those places. Um, it's just helpful to look at. And I'm like, man, I got to go back and look at my money <laughs> and see where it's going because I want my heart with the Lord. And, um, and uh, another way... Um, another way to say this is that, um, where am I? I'm so sorry. I'm going to drink some water. So if your money is not here at the church, then according to this verse, your heart's not here with us. Um, and this is just scripture. And I know that sounds intense, but if you're coming here and getting fed and finding community and meeting with God here, but withholding a tithe from the church, um, then I think you're missing out. You're missing out on the fullness of what the Lord wants to do in you because your heart's not fully invested here. It's hard to come and expect for your heart to be completely changed here when your heart didn't make it here, if that makes sense. And so, and I'm not saying these things, like I said, to convict you. I'm, lit- I'm just reading scripture and inviting you into how I'm processing it. And the goal today, the win today is not for our tithe to grow in our church. Like the win today is for us to see scripture and take it as it is and just simply obey it and honor God in the way that we live with our finances. And so hopefully you're hearing that from me. I'm addressing the heart. I'm not addressing your money. I'm just, we're addressing the heart, not the money. And so just want to invite you into that. And so as I wrap up this um, first half of the message, I want to acknowledge if it feels a little bit uncomfortable because Finance, finances can do that, and looking at the Bible in any way that our life isn't uh, uh, fully aligned is tough, and it's even tough for me, like, mulling through this information. I'm like, man, I, I just, like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to listen to this message after I give it uh, from the seat out there and just hear what God is speaking through this stuff because I need it, too. We all need it. And so, um, yeah, if, if, if it's feeling hard, just talk to God about it. If you're feeling poked at a little bit, talk to God about it and um, just ask him what he, what he has for you as we respond to the word of God. And like I said, my goal isn't uh, for you guys to leave convicted of what I'm saying. My goal isn't for tithes and offerings to increase. Um, my goal is just to present to you what the Bible's saying and allow us to be a people, be a church who obeys what the word of God says not base what we do with our finances off of what our parents did or what off the culture says or what you see on TikTok. Just we, want, we just want to obey the Bible and do what it says. And so, <laughs> and so I'm going through this message this weekend and talking to Madeline, my wife, about it. And, and she's like, man, it feels like you're poking at a lot of people. And I'm like, well, that's not my, I mean, some of these verses you can't just read and feel comfortable you know, I'm like I could throw them out and not mention them, but I don't, that's doing us a disservice. Like we want the word of God and I hope that you want the word of God this morning. And uh, 
very quickly, my joke back to her was, well, it doesn't say the Bible is a double-edged flower. <laughs> it's a two-edged sword. It says it separates, it separates soul and spirit, and, um, and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And I'm like, ooh, I need this stuff too, y'all. <laughs> so, that's, uh, so that's wrapping up tithe, offering, generosity, first half of the message. We're going to jump into the second half. Oh, man, it's 11.06, guys. All right. All right, second half here, lots of scripture because our series is biblical. So uh, we're going to skim through it, but there's a lot of scripture here. Um, but we're going to be talking about living simply and working diligently. Um, so a bunch of scriptures. You can go ahead and throw up that first slide there, uh, Lindsay. So here's uh, six different passages talking about living simply. I'm not going to read them. Feel free to take a picture of them if you would like, and you can uh, dig into them a little more later. But I'm just going to kind of hit the topics of each one. Uh, so be on guard against all types of greed. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Godliness with, great, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. What we, we take uh, nothing out of this world. What good is it to gain the whole world? Be content with what you have. Then in Proverbs it says, give me only my daily bread. And the last one there, better is a little with righteousness. So hopefully you can see the theme there. Living simply isn't just some nice phrase that I heard and told you. Uh, but we see scripture that supports uh, the idea that we are called to live simply. And this doesn't mean we can't have nice things. It doesn't mean we can't go on a vacation. It doesn't mean we can't have nice coffees, eat at fancy restaurants, go on fun dates, have the newest iPhone, drive a car that's really nice. But it's worth considering and assessing our heart as we do those things. Um, and so, and I'm not just saying this to y'all. I'm saying it to myself as well. I am totally a sucker for nice things. <laughs> I really am. I would love to be driving around a new truck or letting a Tesla drive me around <laughs> or have the newest iPhone. And I maybe I will one day. Um, but I also love giving, and I would love to make a fortune so I can give so much money uh, away. But I want us as a people to be constantly aware of what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about our money and about how we should live. I want to be obedient to whatever he's calling me to do with my money. And I want the same for our whole church. That, that really is what I want. Man, I really do. More than anything, I want us to just obey God and listen to whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. <coughs> and uh, at the end of verse, uh, a verse in Acts, Acts 20, 35, it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, it doesn't say this directly, but I think about it. It's, more, it's even more blessed to give than to acquire. Because receiving, it's like maybe someone's given it to you. But it's even more blessed to give than to, like, receive for myself from whatever I'm producing. And, um, and as we live simply, it creates margin in our lives for us to be able to bless other people and to live more generously. If we're not living very simply, we might not even have wiggle room in our budget to be able to bless. And so I think living simply is really important um, and pairs with that verse uh, nicely to be able to bless others, we have to live simply ourselves. And so here is an example, and remember, this is just an example. 
Um, but here's an example about coffee and living simply. All right, and so let's say there's 150 adults in the room. It's a little math problem. Let's say there's 150 adults in here, and let's say that a third of us, so 50 of us, don't drink coffee. And let's say another third of us drink coffee, but we drink it at home. And then let's say there's a third of us that drink coffee out and about. And if you have a coffee from Onyx or Starbucks this morning, you are okay. I'm not targeting coffee. It's just an example for us this morning. But, but let's say uh, five bucks, is that fair? Five dollars a coffee, probably on the low end, definitely if you throw in some oat milk. Um, <laughs> so five dollars a coffee, and let's say that we're drinking three coffees out a week. So not even every workday, just three coffees out a week. That's $15 a person a week, $60 a, m- a month per person, times 50 people who are drinking coffee out. That together is $3,000 in this room that we are spending on coffee conservatively. That's a co- I think those are pretty conservative numbers. Only 50 of us drinking coffee out a week. Um, conservative numbers, $3,000. And $3,000 for all of us is not that much money. But if we use it together f- for the glory of God, guys, we have, a, we have someone in here who's trying to raise support to get overseas right now. And literally... If we gave up coffee, and I'm not saying give up coffee. This is just one example of living simply. But if we did, $3,000, she would be in the Middle East sharing the gospel with people already. And so this is j- literally just an illustration. I have no problems with coffee. I don't drink a lot of it myself. I did have a Starbucks yesterday, though. And um, it was because they messed up my wife's order, <laughs> and so we got a free one. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with coffee. But, but if we just look at our lives... How can we live simply? Because if we live simply, we can bless other people and we can partner with God to see his kingdom come. And so there could be lost people in the Middle East right now hearing the gospel by somebody that we can send out if we are willing to live simply. And seriously, that doesn't mean go and give up coffee. But it might. Ask God. (laughs) But how many things in our lives could we alter or change in an effort to live simply and give generously? And if your thing isn't coffee, don't write that off. There's plenty of things I can list, and so I will. <laughs> maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's finance related. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's fast food and eating out all the time. Maybe it's new shoes or jewelry or clothes. Maybe it's another streaming service for music or TV. Maybe it's, I'll pinpoint myself, maybe it's disc golf discs. I love disco. Um, And again, these things aren't bad. Having them is not bad, but it's just helpful to acknowledge where our money is going because our heart's there. And as we live simply, it it really does create margin in our lives to be able to bless others, to be able to give generously with what we've been given. And I think working diligently, the last piece that I'm going to talk about ties uh, right into this. If we are diligent in the work we've been given, we create more opportunities for ourselves, and we create more opportunities to be generous, and we create more opportunities to bless. And again, for working diligently, I have a lot of verses, and we're not going to go through them all, but we're going to throw them on the screen. So feel free to grab a picture of them. I'll read the first one there, and then we have a few more on another slide. But Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. 
You can throw up that second set there as well, Lindsay. Which these are, man, Proverbs is serious. So we can read one of those there. Uh, which one? They're all good. We'll do Proverbs 13, 4. It says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And so out of those eight verses, I had a bunch more. I had to slim some of them down. Um, but we see a theme that we're not working for ourselves, and we're not working for others, but we're working unto God. Then we see another theme there about work producing provision, but laziness producing poverty. And so we're just going to kind of acknowledge and dive into those um, briefly here. So how do we work unto God? We work for his approval and not for our boss's approval or not for man's approval. We work diligently even when no one is looking. We're true to our word. We serve selflessly. We don't grumble and complain. Our lips are full of honor towards our coworkers and bosses. We don't quit when it gets hard. And uh, I'm going to talk about that one for a little bit because I see it a lot in our culture today, and you probably do too. It's a trend in our generation where we work and serve when it's convenient for us, um, but we don't stick it out and persevere when things get hard or challenging. We just peace out and move on to the next thing. And... Um, and in the church, I think it's, e- it's easy for us, and we write it off as, well, God said. God said I should move on. You know, God said I should quit that job because it was hard. I don't know if you would say it just like that, but you would maybe say God said. And just want to address that really quickly, um, and I want to propose that emotions are not the voice of God for us. Um, and I'm speaking to myself, too. Um, but emotions aren't the voice of God. We, we do hear his voice sometimes through our emotions, for sure. Um, we hear his voice through the Bible, we hear his voice through other people speaking into our life. We hear his voice through waiting on him. So like I said, emotions could be a part of that. It could be through your thoughts, what you feel in your spirit or your heart. And we hear his voice through wise counsel. And so I j- just hitting on that topic, I want to say if you're about to make a big life change, submit it to wise counsel and read your Bible and see what it has to say about whatever that topic is. If it's work, look at the Bible and see what it says about work. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that. We see it in our culture. We quit when work is hard, and I don't want that to be us. I want a, us to be people who steward well what the Lord is giving to us. So, And that doesn't mean you've got to stick out your job. Just talk to God about it and see what he says and do what he says. And so obviously that list that I just said about how we work unto God is not a conclusive list of what it looks like to work diligently, but just a few things uh, that I thought of. And I think it's usually pretty clear to us if we're working diligently, definitely if we look at that list. But if you're unsure, ask God what he thinks. God, what do you think about my work ethic? What do you think about how I spend my time at work? What do you think about how I spend my time after work or on the weekends? I think it'll be a helpful question to see if we are working diligently. And that second uh, theme out of those verses was with that work produces provision, but laziness produces poverty. So we're going to talk about this for a little bit. I'm going to read a couple of the verses that were on that screen and on that slide. And I don't, they probably won't be back up there, but Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10, it says, if anyone does not work, they shouldn't eat. 
Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 21.25, it says, the desire of the lazy will kill them because their hand refuses to do anything. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is us. I'm not like, I just we're just looking at the Bible and hopefully it's speaking to us. And if you feel lazy in some areas, hopefully these are a little bit motivating. Um, they are for me. I'm like, man, where do I slack? Um, and so there's some good questions to ask. Where are you sowing into laziness in your life? And what do you want the fruit of your life to be? Because we see the product of laziness in those scriptures. So what do you want the fruit of your life to be? And where do you, uh, where are you sowing or are you sowing into any laziness? Um, and what, that's, what I'm not saying by laziness is don't rest and don't Sabbath. That is co- they're completely very different things. Rest and Sabbath is a command in Scripture, while laziness we see as a warning in Scripture. And sa- the Sabbath gives you more energy, and it restores your soul, and it lifts your spirit. Laziness makes you more tired, and it drains your soul, and it sucks away your hope. It sucks away your life. And I think, just like working diligently, I think we know when we're being lazy. You know when you're being a couch potato or when you're vegging out on your phone it's, uh, or where you're, when you're laying around on Saturday until afternoon, chilling in your bed, you know. And sometimes maybe, that, maybe that's what you need to do to rest and connect with the Lord, um, but it, maybe it's laziness. And so I just want to show you those scriptures and say, let's not be lazy. Let's not be a lazy people. Let's be a people who let the Bible refine us in our lifestyles. Let's be people who steward well what he's given us. Let us live simply. Let us give generously. Let us work diligently. So as we close, I'm going to share an, an example of what this has looked like in mine and Madeline's life um, from one story, and then I will close us out this morning. So in our first year of marriage, like I said, we were not making much money. I actually had built out a, a budget before we got married and saw just from like the baseline stuff in our life, what was it going to cost for us to live? And our income was very close to what it was going to cost for us to live. And when we got married, we had $30,000 and and one penny of school debt. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it was. And we felt like from God, we were supposed to attack the school debt as fast as possible uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, When Antioch sends out missionaries, which we wanted to go at some point overseas, and we still do at some point, but we needed to go through our discipleship school, and we needed to be married, and we needed to be out of debt, and we were going through the discipleship school, and we were married, and we needed to get out of debt, because that was the last thing, and and we're like, whenever God calls us, we don't want to be holding on to a pile of debt um, and be hindered, and so we were diligent, um, and we lived really simply to try to get rid of $30,000 of debt, and like I said, we were not, we were barely making ends meet. We, we were living in a less than $800 a month house that was less than 800 square feet big. And it had mice and roaches and maybe a 12 square foot countertop in the kitchen. And part of that was the sink. Like it was a little house, uneven floors, super ghetto. And we were, we were just living simply and not eating out a lot, eating PB&Js, rice and beans, living simple. And um, because we felt like God said to be diligent with getting rid of debt. And somehow, and I, am, I have no clue, numbers don't line up, 
But somehow in 10 months, we had paid down $20,000 of this school debt, which makes no sense. We were not making $5,000 a month. I don't know how we paid $2,000 a month towards our school debt. Um, and, and we were at, at the same time, we were believing God for a miracle and that somebody would just generously give us a chunk of money to pay off our debt or somehow our debt was, would be uh, taken away. Uh, but at the same time, we felt like we were supposed to be as diligent as possible to pay down as much as we could while we partnered with him, believing for this miracle. And so anyways, it was March 5th of, gosh, I don't remember what year that was, 2017. And we got home. It was Madeline's birthday. We got home from a date that night. And on our front porch, there was an envelope. And you just know when you're at Antioch, you're just like, gosh, Somebody's blessing us, you know, because it wasn't like a mail. It was it was just an envelope, and uh, and so we go inside and we open up this envelope, and there's a and there's a verse in there that says "Ask and you will receive" that somebody had written, and it was anonymous, and there was a money order for eleven thousand dollars, and um, man, <laughs> I don't know why I'm feeling emotional. I mean, it was so we just laid on the floor and we wept before God because He heard us, He heard us, and He moved on someone else's heart. That was a huge, $11,000, that's a huge sacrifice for somebody else. Um, just believing for our life, too, and obeying God. And so um, with that, we, we had enough in our bank account plus $11,000 to completely pay off student loans. And it was just a testimony of the Lord speaking to us, live simply, work diligently. And he and he showed his favor. He opened up the heavens and gave us blessing. That, um, and so I just wanted to share that as an example of him. And I'm not saying you're going to get $11,000 check on your door. But you can believe for it. I think he wants to bless you and take care of you. That's not prosperity. That's just the gospel. That's what he says. Like we just read several scriptures. Um, and so I know all of that today. We covered a ton of material different topics. Um, so I want to give us a little bit of time to respond this morning and just ask him, what part of it needs to stick with me this morning? What part of it do I need to take action on this morning? And so we're going to have some journal questions on the slide that we'll throw up uh, in just a minute, but I'm going to pray for us and we'll have those questions that you guys can journal through. There they are. And just through each of the topics, tithing, am I honoring you, God? What do you want me to do with my tithing? Giving, am I honoring you with my giving? What do you want me to do with giving? Am I honoring you with my spending? What do you want me to do with my spending? And so I'm going to pray for us this morning, and then I think the Lord is going to use this in our journal time to really speak to us, to give us clarity on how to move forward. So pray with me. Jesus, we just say here we are. Would you speak to us this morning? Would you give us clarity to whatever was said? Would you weed out the word of God from my words? And would the word of God land on us? And I just ask that our response wouldn't be uh, to be offended by the word of God and run from it. But I ask our response would be to be challenged and convicted of righteousness by the word of God. And I ask that we would choose to honor you and to obey you with how we live, with how we work, with how we give. So I ask that you would speak to us right now. We invite you to speak to us. Our ears are open, our hearts are open, our hands are open. Would you speak to us this morning, Lord? Pray this in your name. Amen. So if you have a journal, feel free to get it out. If you don't have a journal, you can pull out your phone. It has a notes app.
And we're just going to work through these questions for a little bit, and then the band um, will lead us in our song.